Our scripture for this morning is from Psalm 147, verses 1 through 6. Praise the Lord. How good it is to sing praises to our God. For he is gracious and a song of praise is fitting. The Lord builds up Jerusalem. He gathers the outcasts of Israel. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. He determines the number of the stars. He gives to all of them their names. Great is our Lord and abundant in power. His understanding is beyond measure. The Lord lifts up the downtrodden. He casts the wicked to the ground. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Hello, everyone. I'd like to start today by saying thank you. Thank you for setting aside the time to be a part of such an important conversation. It is undeniable that we are all currently living through a season of loss. At, at first, we lost important events, memorable moments. Uh, we lost vacations that we had planned and had looked forward to. But then we lost our sense of normalcy. Our stability was shaken by a lack of routine and social connections. Many of us have, have faced or are currently facing a loss of jobs, or, or even more painful than that, many of us have walked through the painful loss of friends or family members during this season of separation. We are all collectively experiencing several kinds of grief at once. We are grieving things we, we never thought we could lose, like the closing of our favorite parks and our businesses, or, or losing the ability to a, attend church in the buildings that we love. Many of us are dealing with intangible losses. Uh, the intangible loss of, of not knowing what it feels like to walk across a stage and receive your high school or college diploma. Maybe you're feeling the loss of that connection with your loved one, even though you can talk to them on the phone or, or see them on the internet, that, that, that loss of not being in the same room with someone you love can be weighty and difficult. There may be some of you who are experiencing the weight of loss, but you can't seem to figure out or name what's causing that pain. Irregardless, all of us are experiencing loss of one way or another. Grief is a natural and healthy response to loss. Grief is an important emotion in our lives. Our bodies, our minds, and our hearts need to process the changes and the loss that we feel during these difficult times. We have to take the time, hear me, we have to take the time to say what we are feeling. To admit that it hurts. Acknowledging our grief will allow us to eventually accept the fact that the world has changed. Many of us are familiar with the five stages of grief. Denial, anger, bargaining, depression, acceptance. Now, these stages are useful they're, they're useful signposts for us to help us name our feelings and recognize that those feelings are normal. But I want to be clear 
these five stages are not a roadmap or a checklist on how to deal with grief. These emotions are, are, are rarely operating on a linear path. They rarely go one right after the other like a checklist would. For, for anyone who's mourned the loss of a, a friend or a family member, you know that these emotions are unpredictable and that grief is unpredictable. And it's perfectly normal to return to different stages at different times. It is perfectly normal to spend a long time in one stage despite that, that sense that it's time for you to, to move on. It is perfectly normal to feel happy while still grieving. It is normal to be overwhelmed by emotions by what would seem to be a small trigger. And it is normal to be thrown from a place of peaceful acceptance back into overwhelming grief. All of those are normal. Today, we're going to continue our series, What's in a Name? And, and my hope for us is today is that, that I'm able to communicate that God in His mercy can transform our grief into healing. So today, I want us to name our grief and take a step towards healing. Our primary scripture for today is Psalms 147, and it starts by giving us several reasons for praising God. He is the God of might, who is at work in history for the benefit of his people, Israel. He is the sustainer of life, who meets the needs of his people. What this should be telling those of us who are grieving, those of us who are experiencing pain, is that God is involved. God is not far away. He's not uh, disconnected from us. Our God is close, and He is involved in the details. But God is also the one, according to Lamentations, who gathers the outcast, who heals the brokenhearted and, and binds up their wounds. He is the God who can handle and heal our grief. Now, let me say that a different way. He is the God who can handle and heal your grief. He can handle my grief, and he desires to do so. In verse 4, it says that God made the stars, that, that he knows them by name, and he has dominion over all of them. What a wonderful, wonderful verse. But can I tell you what's even more wonderful? More wonderful than the fact that God knows the, the names of the stars? It's that he knows your name. God knows your name. But even more than that, can I tell you that not only does God know your name, he knows the name of your pain as well. He knows what hurts you. And he desires to heal that pain because he knows you. We see that in verse 3 when it tells us that God intends to heal the brokenhearted and bind up their wounds. Getting through grief may be one of the hardest things that we ever do as human beings. And a helpful way to begin the process of grieving is to name it, to say it out loud, to put into words what you are feeling, to name the source 
of your pain or your loss. There's even power in saying, I'm grieving and I really don't know why. There's power in admitting that and acknowledging it. Now, believe it or not, (laughs) despite the name of this book, Lamentations is a wonderful word of God. It's a wonderful word because Lamentations gives voice to our grief. Listen to these words from chapter 3 of Lamentations. Uh, This is going to be verses 15 through 25. He has filled me with bitterness. He has glutted me with wormwood. He has made my teeth grind on gravel and made me cower in ashes. My soul is bereft of peace. I've forgotten what happiness is. So I say, gone is my glory and all that I hope for from the Lord. The thought of my affliction and my homelessness is wormwood and gall. My soul continually thinks of it and is bowed down within me. But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is His faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul that seeks him. These verses are are a graphic description of someone who is in pain, someone who is grieving. The author is so overcome with grief that they reject peace and they have forgotten what is good. And in their mind, they feel like their future and their hope is gone. But notice that despite their grief, they choose to wait, to take a breath and wait. And in that waiting, we see this subtle shift, this subtle transition towards God. We have to remember the importance that grief and hope are not opposed to one another. They are intertwined together. In fact, they can even take place at the same time. I want, to, want you to consider the crucifixion of Jesus as an example. Don't you know, don't you believe that the Father was grieved at the suffering and the pain of His beloved Son? But don't you also know and believe in those same moments the Father had hope for the salvation of His people and His creation? It is so important that we remember this connection between grief and hope. It is so important that we believe that they can happen at the same time because there will be time in our lives that that our grief will feel almost unbearable. And the Bible acknowledges that. The Bible doesn't shy away from from the pain of life. The Bible is not out of touch with the pain and the suffering that life can bring. Throughout the Bible, we find people crying and yelling and aching to God and others over the pain in life. The Bible is filled with people who feel hopeless and helpless. 
despite all the helplessness and the hopelessness in the book called Lamentations, we still read these words, yet still I dare to hope. I still dare to hope. I think, I think the important question for us is, is not should we hope, but how do we hope? How can we have hope in the midst of grief? Well, let me tell you that it starts with remembering. It starts with remembering how God has helped us in the past. We have to remember how God has been faithful to us. We have to remember how God has had enduring mercy towards us. We have to remember that God's love has yet to fail us. We have to remember to trust God. Now, it is easy to say that. And, and I know that it is easy to read about hope and trust in God. It is, is easy to talk about trusting God. And I, and I think most of us would agree that, that God is there to help us. It's easy to agree with that. But what's difficult is trusting in that when life gets tough. It, it's hard to find hope when everything in life seems to be coming apart. And I don't know about you, but it has been easy for me to feel that way. That things are, are falling apart and, and not working as they should. Even remembering God's help in the past does not always cut it when we're faced with unfamiliar problems and new obstacles. So how can we find the strength to even dare to trust in the midst of our pain? How can we find the kind of trust in God that empowers us to have hope? I believe the answer can can again be found in Lamentations chapter 3, verse 25. The Lord is good to those who depend on Him, to those who search for Him. Lamentations plainly says that the Lord helps those who depend on Him, who search for Him. And, and what I find interesting is that word that, that has been translated to search is actually probably better translated as crave. You see, God desires for us to crave His presence in a similar way that we crave to be in the same room with those that we miss and those that we love. The Lord desires for us to, to cry out to Him, to remember Him, and to trust that He hears us and that He will answer our prayers. The question is, are we willing to humble ourselves? Are we willing to ask for help? Are we willing to let go of control and depend on Him? This is why verse 26 reminds us, so it is good, it is good to wait for salvation. It is good to wait quietly for salvation from the Lord. To ask God for help. And to wait quietly and confidently for him to answer that request. Trusting his word and, and sticking close to him is what we need to do. And what we need to remember is that we, we, we should stop trying to look at everything all at once. Trying to, to fix all of our problems. To fix all the source of our grief all at the same time. What we need to do is to trust God and be faithful to take whatever next step he is leading us to take, one step at a time. 
See, God answers prayer, and his love never fails us. God's love and his mercy brings comfort and healing to our grief. Now, there's one last thing that I want to say about grief. When we go through a lot of change like we have gone through here at FEMC Cannon over the past several months, we need to recognize that that change will bring about grief. And we need to give ourselves permission to grieve. As we said before, naming our grief is the first step in recognizing and giving permission. But it, is, it also gives voice to what we're experiencing. But it is also important that we give one another room and permission to grieve. Because during this season, we are all going to grieve differently, and we're going to grieve at different times. I believe Ezra chapter 3 gives a beautiful and a powerful example and expression of, of what it will look like for us to be impacted differently by the same painful circumstances. Now, to, to give you a quick context, uh, right before Ezra chapter 3, earlier in the history of Israel, Israel was attacked by Babylon, and they were overcome. And King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon set fire to the Lord's temple and burned it to the ground, completely destroying it. The word says that one stone was not left upon another. Now, what we are about to hear and what we're about to describe, what we're about to hear described for us is that first moment where the foundation stone of the new temple is laid. You might think of it this way. The nation of Israel has spent a season outside of the temple, outside of the building. And they are about to take their first steps back into the building. Listen as I read uh, this, this powerful example for us. When the builders laid the foundation of the Lord's temple, the priests clothed in their vests and carrying their trumpets, and the Levites, the sons of Asaph with cymbals, arose to praise the Lord according to the direction of Israel's King David. They praised and gave thanks to the Lord, singing responsively, He is good. His graciousness for Israel lasts forever. All of the people shouted with praise to the Lord because the foundation of the Lord's house had been laid. But many of the older priests and Levites and heads of families, the ones who had seen the first house or the first temple, wept aloud when they saw the foundation of this house. Although many others shouted loudly with joy, no one could distinguish the sound of the joyful shout from the sound of the people's weeping, because the people rejoiced very loudly. The sound was heard at a great distance. See, sometimes after a great loss, as a, as a community continues to grieve, there is a time of rebuilding and a time of moving forward. And during this time, there's this mixture of emotions, the young are, are rejoicing because they don't understand what has been lost. They don't have an experience of what used to be. They don't know what is missing. 
All they know and all they are looking towards is what is to come. They have, a, they have a hope for the future. That is one of the blessings of the young. They have this hope and this energy to pursue the future. But again, they don't know what they're missing. They're just excited about new beginnings and a fresh start. They're ready to move forward and begin to rebuild. But for the older generation, or should I say the more experienced generation, they are still weeping because they remember how it used to be. See, these memories are precious. We need to, to honor them and appreciate them and not forget the great wisdom that can come from those memories. It is hard. It is hard to let go of what was because we fear that we'll forget. But hear me, we can move forward. We can move forward. We can embrace change and begin again if we're intentional with our remembering, with our honoring, and with our appreciation. So let's give ourselves permission to grieve. And let's give one another room to grieve. And while we grieve, let us, not, let us take time to continue to name our grief to identify its source, and let us draw strength and healing from reading and listening to God's words to us while we wait, while we quietly wait for our loving Father to turn our sorrow and our grief into gladness and joy. So what's your next step in response? to what we've talked about today. A friend and a counselor of mine said, when it comes to grief, the key is to just keep talking. And so your next step is, is an invitation to find somebody that, that is trustworthy, find somebody that you can depend on, and just simply have a conversation. Share with them what you're feeling and why you think you're feeling the way that you are. And please know that, that our pastoral care team is available if you need a listening ear. Thank you for being a part of today's conversation. <music>